All right, if you have a Bible, you can go to John chapter 18 as we dive in. I want to take today and do something uh, a little bit different, but not totally unconnected from what is normal in the life of our church. I want to spend just a little bit of time helping all of us think about what is happening in Israel, what is happening in the Ukraine, what is happening around our world, and not necessarily shy away from something just because it's politically charged, right? We want to think well. We want to have the Spirit of God in us, informing the way we think, the way we feel, the emotions we have, the fears, the joys. We want to be where Jesus is on those issues. And let's just state right out the gate that no doubt all of us have opinions about what I'm about to talk about. And I do too. And my goal is not to share my opinions today. I want to simply walk through some scriptures that can temper, that can inform the feelings that we have. Because if, let's just be real, if the information we're getting on social media and the news is what's informing our heart, we will rarely land where Jesus lands. We'll just rarely land there. And so if we're not careful, something like war can actually become an idol in our heart because it's going to serve the means that I want and not what God wants. And so not surprisingly, C.S. Lewis can help us here. So I want to start there because C.S. Lewis spent a lot of his ministry and writing and thinking in a time of war. And speaking during a time of war, here's what he said. Out of that hopeless attempt has come all that we call human history. Nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery. The long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make them happy. And if we look at our moment, due to fear, due to modern technology, in other words, being able to get that news of all of those things aforementioned instantly from thousands of people has only served to make that even more obvious today than it was then. And what, what can happen to us is we can begin to be shaped by that and not the breadth of the teachings of Jesus. We can let the modern way of get what is yours and the fit survive take over and not the ways of Jesus. In fact, as we think about war specifically, Martin Lloyd-Jones Lloyd once said this, God permits war in order that men may bear the consequences of their sins as punishment. And I would need to sit with that before I could totally unpack that in my heart and head. But I only say that to say is that war really should never be the goal. 
wars and rumors of wars are mentioned in Scripture, and they are usually wrapped around some kind of injustice, some kind of unrighteousness, the result of some kind of thing that we have fallen short, right? Sin is missing God's mark, missing the best that He has. Jesus, in His Sermon on the Mount, gave us an entirely new ethic to think about personally. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, He said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The peacemakers are equated with being the children of God. Further in that same sermon in Matthew 5, in verse 43, Jesus goes all the way in on this idea. And here's what Jesus had to say. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward in heaven do you have? Wow. What reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. That was like the worst thing you could get back in the day. Tax collectors were bad dudes in their And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Listen, I read that not to say that one side or the other is wrong. I won't take a side today. I do know that Scripture calls us to pray for Israel and for their blessing. We want to be a part of that, but I also know that Jesus is laying out a completely different ethic than what we are being pumped with in our culture. And it raises, hopefully, all kinds of things for you to wrestle with, and I would encourage you to wrestle with them. I would encourage you to read Scripture and to think well and to think deeply, far beyond what we're going to accomplish even in this moment. But I also don't think Jesus was kidding I think he was presenting an entirely different kind of kingdom than the one that most of them and most of us are after. And obviously this is a personal ethic. Jesus wasn't necessarily speaking to global entities here. But he is describing the kind of kingdom that he was going to be building. Right, We could go to places, even in Scripture, and we will in just a moment, where we can talk about, is there a time for war? Is there a time to defend yourself? Is there a time for all of those things? There is obviously war in Scripture. And so, we want to be mindful of all of those things, but what we want to be mindful of is the call, the invitation that Jesus makes to us to be peacemakers. What does that mean for our everyday life? And what does that mean when we are thousands of miles away from the wars taking place? At a minimum, these moments should be prayed over, reconsidered, or carried out with great sorrow. 
Because every human life matters. Though there are consequences to every choice that every human makes, we recognize that terrorism requires a response because it wouldn't be loving to those who were being oppressed to not respond. I understand that this is a difficult, a complex issue. You even go into Ecclesiastes where Solomon wrote this in verses 1 through 8, for everything there is a season and a time for, this is important, every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. And then here we are in verse 8. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And I'm not sure how much of that is prescriptive and how much of that is descriptive, but I think what is a key phrase there, and I want you to notice it, And maybe even circle it or highlight it in your Bible to think about more later, to meditate on these things, is the phrase, every matter under heaven. Because what these things that are listed are issues that are under heaven. And I don't mean in proximity to heaven, I mean in matters of earthly things and heavenly things. I actually think this is why, and this is my opinion, this is why Jesus teaches us to pray That his kingdom would come to earth as it is in heaven. Because what Solomon's describing is the under heaven issues that we are experiencing. And what we are begging God for is that he would bring his kingdom to where our kingdoms are. Because we've done a really poor job of it. Me at the top of the list. And so our next passage in John, John chapter 18, where John's writing his gospel account of what Jesus' ministry looked like. I don't think it's by any coincidence that we come to where Jesus is betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, and brought before the governor of one of Roman government governors, Pilate. And next week in John chapter 19, we'll see Jesus crucified for our sin. We find ourselves in an interesting moment, and rather than try to unpack all of that, Um, I want to take you to the end, but I want you to have that context important that Jesus was just denied and betrayed by two extremely close to him that had walked with him, had seen miracles done by him. Peter even declaring how much he loved him. Peter had just chopped the guy's ear off on behalf of Jesus and now was denying Jesus. Sound familiar? Sounds like my life. And so, it's in that moment that we find Jesus standing before Pilate. And Pilate even confused as to why Jesus was even standing there. In verse 33, let's just read from 33 to the end of the chapter here. 
and draw some things for us to consider. And then we just want to spend some time praying about it today. Look at verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, and this is what I want us to think about today. Jesus answered this, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not not be delivered over to the Jews. But, he reiterates, my kingdom... Is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him. So you are a king. Jesus answered. You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth. Listens to my voice. Pilate said to him. What is the truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Plenty for us to think about there. Perhaps we'll have the opportunity to think about that more in the future. But I think when I read Jesus' words that his kingdom is not of this world, there is an insinuation that the kingdom of God should look different than the kingdoms of the world. At its most basic level, that is the deduction that I can take from that. And so what is the knee-jerk reaction of those who are not the sons and daughters of God really should not be the knee-jerk reaction of those of us that are. What does it look like in our context to be peacemakers? It's powerful. While we may concede along with Solomon and Martin Lloyd-Jones that there is a time for everything under heaven as a consequence for our own actions, we will also declare and follow Jesus on His desires for His kingdom. Incredibly important. Listen, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world as evidenced by our love for all people and according to His own teaching in Matthew 5, even our enemies. Not entirely sure what that looks like because I too struggle with that. It's hard for me to wrap my head around what it looks like to love those who hate. It's difficult, and yet that is the call. And when Jesus says, I'm going away, and I'm going to send you the Spirit of truth, and He'll testify within your heart what that kingdom looks like. Right? Last week, John 17 is so important. 
because many of God's people cannot even get over our issues with each other and love each other, let alone loving an enemy who is actually persecuting us. This is the real things of the kingdom of God. It's not about a lot of the things that we've been told. (laughs) And doesn't that come to the forefront when circumstances in the world change overnight? We all of a sudden are reoriented to the things that matter. And we recognize that, but for the grace of God, in any moment, any of that can change for any one of us. And so how we think, what we feel, what we see, what we put into our minds matters. So how do we draw the net on this? Because I say all of that with the realization that you and I on our own cannot do that. I think my favorite part of what Jesus said is at the end he says, Therefore be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. How's that going? Anyone? Anyone perfect today? No, we're obviously not. So what's he saying? That apart from me, you can do nothing. That there are circumstances and things in the world that are so far outside of our control that we can't possibly think that we're going to pull it off. And what Jesus is driving into us is that to be a peacemaker and to love our enemies is going to require something outside of us to move its way into us. Namely, the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so, we, we need something else, right? Because our flesh is weak, right? Scripture says our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And this is precisely why Jesus will, in the next chapter of John's Gospel, go and die on the cross, defeat sin and death, rise to life in victory, lead a host of captives free, and ascend back to the Father, where all things remain under His feet. And it is why Jesus said he would go away and send the Holy Spirit into each and every one of God's kids. Because apart from the Spirit of God, we will not love like Jesus loves. And if that sounds mysterious and otherworldly, I want to encourage you one last time with the words of C.S. Lewis. Here's what he said in the midst of war again. He said, if we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb... When it comes, find us doing sensible human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, any microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds. It's a long way of saying what Jesus and the authors of Scripture said. Perfect love casts out fear. And if we have an eternal perspective, we talked last week, what is eternal life? It's to know God. If I know God, and I know He's good, and I know He has all things under control, and that eternity is a lot longer than today, then you can even take my life today And I will be okay. But we'll never get to that kind of belief. Right? We're going to say that. But for me to believe that and feel that and live that is going to require the Holy Spirit working in me. All things together for good to those that love Him. 
And so we will follow Jesus. We'll pray for those being persecuted. We'll pray for those who persecute. And we'll be reminded why even something as simple as the little tool in the back of the church in a basket called the kingdom card is vitally important. Because we want to ever be present about what God is doing in our life and who can I tell about it. When Jesus said in Mark, Mark's gospel, go home and tell your friends about all that I have done for you. This is why it matters. Important reminder for us that I need Jesus, that you need Jesus, that people around us need Jesus. We all need good news, and we are God's people, and He's making His appeal of good news to the world through us. So let's be about what Jesus was about. It starts with us. It doesn't start halfway around the world. Starts with us. Starts with those of us in this room doing the things that Jesus called us to do. And so, the only appropriate response then is to pray. And so I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to have Kevin come back up and have the band come back up and just play over us. Just play music over us. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray for Israel. To pray for Palestinians to pray for whatever your opinions are about that, but ultimately that we would pray that in all things God would bring His glory, that God would bring His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. See, because I don't know what to pray all the time when people are being killed who are innocent on both sides of the fence. Perhaps I'm just too finite And maybe that's okay to wrap my head fully around that. But what I can do is pray, God, would you bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and trust that he will do what I cannot do. Amen? So why don't you stand with me and the band's going to play. And just for a few minutes, we want to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord together on behalf of people all around the world. I encourage you, you can grab somebody near you, you can kneel where you are, you can come to the front. Pastor Jerome's up here, he'd love to pray with you. I'm up here, I'd love to pray with you. Pastor Tim's in the back, he'd love to pray with you. You can grab anybody near you and I'm pretty confident they would love to pray with you. But we are called to be people of prayer. I think about what, Jesus, what God said in the Old Testament to his people, the nation of Israel, when he said, if my people would just humble themselves and pray, right, then I would come and heal their land. And so while we don't have all the answers, we can pray. So I just invite you over these next couple minutes before we sing one last time together to pray, to just bow your head where you are or come forward or grab somebody near you anywhere you want to be and just seek the Lord. Let's do that together.